0: And uh, Wednesday night's uh, 65-55 loss uh, to uh, Marquette uh, up in Milwaukee. And if you went to bed early at halftime and you didn't know what happened until you're listening to this, then you're probably going to be a little disappointed. Uh, Purdue had an 18-point lead in the first half, late in the first half, Uh, still had a double-digit lead through most of, early in the second half. But then Marquette whittled away. Uh, Purdue did a bunch of things wrong, and Purdue ended up on the losing side. They only scored 17 points in the second half, uh, and it got outscored 40 to 17 uh, in the second half uh, by by Marquette. Uh, this this is a loss that that stings because of uh, you had a, you had a big lead, you were playing well, or Purdue was playing well. Um, they had they had encountered some adversity in the first half, overcoming no uh, no Joel Eastern's three fouls. Eric Hunter stepped up and did a great job on Marcus Howard, and it just it, it was shaping up as one of those games where you know some things went wrong, but Purdue was still able to to build a lead, maintain a lead. Uh, And, you know, all all they needed to do in the second half was kind of continue to do the same things. But everything they did right in the first half, minus the free throw shooting, we'll get to that in a second. But as far as executing their offense, hitting the boards hard, taking care of the ball, and playing pretty good defense, uh, it didn't happen in the second half. They got out-rebounded, they got killed on the boards in the second half. Uh, The shooting just went completely south, 5 of 25 in the second half, 1 of 10 from three-point range. Um, As we mentioned, the free-throw shooting, Purdue started the game 1 of 8, finished 9 of 21, Uh, and then they just got dominated on the boards and didn't play very well defensively. Uh, So uh, what what started as a promising night turned into a sour evening, puts Purdue at 1 and 2, Uh, It's November, and you don't. This is not football where you you get a referendum after every game. But this little short two-game schedule against Texas and Marquette, uh, Purdue came up short in trying to get a uh, uh, a signature win, a marquee win against uh, a good program. Texas being from the Big 12, Marquette being from the Big East. Uh, you, you, you Purdue probably, you know, when you look long term, NCAA picture type of thing, you know, having one of those wins on your resume uh, definitely helps you. Now you have to kind of make it up somewhere, and where do you make it up? Uh, where do you where do you make the where do you make this game up? A game that you had won, a game that uh, you should have been up by more than. Uh, 13 at half, uh, a game that you know you should have had a 20 point lead at halftime. You know Matt Painter said it afterwards that quote we blew it, we blew this game and he's absolutely right and no one can dispute that. Purdue blew this game. Uh, Marquette's a fine team, they've got a great player in Marcus Howard uh, and they've got some other pieces, but you know the bottom line is Purdue Purdue blew this game and. Uh, but where do you make this up down the road? Do, do you have to win two games at the Florida tournament coming up at Thanksgiving where you have to beat BCU and then either uh, Florida State or Tennessee? Uh, do you, now are you in a must-win situation against Virginia? Um, and then you look a little bit deeper into the non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, Butler. Butler's a game now that, you know, it's always an important game and Purdue's had its struggle with Butler's in the Crossroads Classic but uh, Matt Painter scheduled these games for a reason they you know they're they're supposed to you know make you better in the long run and you know for those that have short-term memories Purdue was struggled out of the gate last year had some problems and finally finally got it going uh in the Big Ten season and turned their season around and, you know, allowed them to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I think it's obvious to everyone. And, you know, Purdue does not have that one player that can bail you out of a jam or push your lead from four to ten in a matter of minutes. Carson Edwards isn't coming back other than to pay a visit to his former teammates. But... I'm not sure Purdue has that player right now on the roster. I'm not sure Purdue has that player on the roster right now. I mean, they have guys that can hit shots, that can hit big shots. But do they have the guy when you're playing a Big 12 team or the guy when you're playing a Big East team or the guy when you're playing an ACC team, do they have that guy that can take over a game? Or at least... A, you know, help you from either extending a lead or getting you back into the game. Do they have that guy? I would say right now they don't, and it's that's not a negative. But you know, just a few years ago, uh, while Purdue did have Carson Edwards, they were much, uh, much more well-rounded outside of Carson Edwards. When you look at the team that they had, and that's what this team. Probably has to become. It has to become well-rounded, and in a way, shortens their margin for error. Uh, and it doesn't doesn't mean you have to play perfect, and you have to, you know, you can't make mistakes. But all the things you did to get an 18-point lead tonight, you have to continue to do uh, in the second half, and they didn't do it. Foul trouble always always comes into play. Uh, Aaron Wheeler was in foul trouble. You know, as we mentioned, no Joe Eastern was in foul trouble. Uh, and right now, produced you know it Purdue's not dealing with a very deep bench, and they're not going to because you're redshirting two two guys. So the the players that are there are the players that are going to play. And foul trouble is just something that uh, has to you know you're factoring into the equation. But you're also looking at getting productive minutes, you know, out of your main guys. And and better production out of your main guys. And, you know, that's not happened consistently in these last two games. Um, and, you know, they'll get to Chicago State on Saturday, and it'll look better. They'll get to Jacksonville State in their next game after Saturday, and it'll look better. But you truly... You won't be able to judge this team again, in my opinion, until you get to the Florida tournament and you get in the stretch of uh, the two games in Florida and then the Virginia game. And then you're jumping into the Big Ten season, which is not... It shouldn't be a difficult two games for Purdue, but they are are Big Ten teams. Uh, So once you get through the next two games, which uh, the games will be spaced from Saturday to Saturday... Then you're going to hit a stretch to see how much this team has learned from Texas and from uh, Marquette. You know, I, I, you know, and that's going to be an important stretch for Purdue because they're going to have to, you know, they can't keep giving away games. uh, Because you could say they gave away the Texas game because you're up 62-57 with three minutes to go at home. You got to close that game out. And then tonight, you're up 18 points in the first half. You know they're going to make a run. But, you know, Purdue really didn't have an answer for them. They didn't have an answer on the defensive end. They didn't have an answer on the offensive end. And then in other areas, they didn't have an answer in rebounding. Uh, they didn't have an answer at the free throw line. And, you know, they, did, they just didn't have a lot of answers in the second half. And that was... That was a surprising thing, and I, you know, and I know this is a, this is a script that has happened. Uh, wow, that truck coming awful close to that snowplow, uh, and I know this is a script that's happened to Purdue uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, it's a narrative that's out there that you know they can't, you know, they can't protect the leads and you know, same old Purdue and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I've, I've watched them for years, and you know you know, that, you know, those things have have surely happened, (laughs) but, you know, you're also going to deal with a different team. And I, you know, this team, uh, it does have some talent and, uh, does have some guys that can make plays, but this team really has to lean on each other to, to get big wins, uh, this season. You know, that, that's what it's going to take. Uh, and. However, the evolution process of this thing works out, if it ever works out, um, will be will be interesting to watch. And um, you, you know, you don't you don't want you don't get bent out of shape in November. You just don't. Um, because if you got if if that was the case, you would have been bet out of shape last year in November. Uh, so you, do, you you just kind of let things play out, let the process. Play out, watch it, see how it unfolds, see who steps into what role um, and who does what, and that's that's kind of what you're you know you're going to be looking for over the next month and a half before you really jump into conference play uh, at the beginning of, of January. But Purdue has to get its second half straightened out. Uh, they struggled out of the gate at Texas. They even struggled against Green Bay. Uh, it didn't show because Purdue had such a big lead that. You, you noticed it, but you didn't. You know, maybe it wasn't as big a concern. Well, it was a concern to Painter uh, because he said it at the time, and he said it again uh, tonight. But you know, they 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 had some problems against Texas, and then they had major problems uh, tonight. They just couldn't score. Couldn't score. Uh, they didn't run their offense uh, very well in the second half. Um, they, you, as the As the second half went on, you know, you could tell that they were kind of looking for somebody to step up. And, you know, there were a couple quick shots in the second half that didn't need to be quick shots. There were some quick shots in the first half that didn't need to be quick shots, especially after getting some offensive rebounds. Uh, But in the second half, you just got a sense that they were... They were passing the ball and looking for the next guy to shoot it, to make the play. And then he looked at the next guy to make the play. And then the next guy after that until you had six or five seconds on the shot clock. And then you've got to fire up a bad shot. And a couple times, you know, no Joe Eastern's a great defensive player, but he hasn't. He's not the offensive player that. That matches his defensive level, and that's no secret. So the ball's in up in his hands with three seconds or two seconds on the shot clock. He's the one taking that shot. That's not how it's supposed to work. Um, so, they, you know, they've got some things to, to to iron out and figure out. You know, in the first game against Green Bay, you thought Jahad, Jahad Proctor could be that guy. Uh, the way he played, the way he scored the ball in the, in the second half. Um then you, you know you didn't see that uh, against Texas and obviously you didn't see it uh, tonight in this game not only from Proctor but from anybody so uh, there, uh, you know I think this team is, is is working out a lot of things and um, it's just a matter if they can get it straightened out and you know they're not going to have that that one guy that's gonna bail them out every time like Carson did last year, or Ryan Klein. Uh, they've just they they've got some guys that can hit some big shots, but it's going to have to come within the framework of what you're doing offensively, and it's going to have to feed off your defense, and you can't dominate a team one half on the boards and then get your butt kicked the next 20 minutes on the boards. And you've got to hit your free throws. 9-21 for a Division I college men's basketball team in the Big Ten is Borderline hideous, and, and you've got you've, you've just got to hit free throws. Now, I, w- I will say, like in the first half, and the wrong people were shooting free throws. Trevi- Trevion Williams was shooting free throws, he's not a good free throw shooter. Uh, and the big guys, uh, I think the big guys were combined. Uh, Boudreaux missed two, uh, Williams missed his first f- four, maybe, and then uh, Matt Harms. Uh, didn't have a good night at the free throw line either. So, you know, your, your big guys are the ones going to go there the most. Uh, and They did not deliver tonight uh, at the free throw line. And, you know, and that's the difference not at the end. It's the difference at the end of the game, but it's also the difference uh, in the first half. You know, not everything is decided in the last five minutes of a game. And if you hit those free throws in the first half, uh, instead of being up 13, I believe. I mean, you're up 18 at one point. But l- let's use the 18 point mark. Instead of being up 18, if you hit your free throws or hit a majority of your free throws, you're in the 20 to 22 point lead let range. Maybe bigger because you don't know what that lead does to the other team's psyche. Uh, so... That that is probably in my mind the, a bigger turning point than anything that happened in the second half. And yes, when Marquette comes comes down and you know ties the game or takes the lead, yeah, those, those are crucial possessions. But if you if you do what you're supposed to do in the first half, that probably does not become a factor. Uh, because I mean, Purdue ba- basically Purdue had their hands on this game. They had it one, and then let it go. That's why no lead in the first half is is big enough. You got a chance to score, you score, and you get to the free throw line, you got to hit them. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't excuse what happened in the second half from the lack of rebounding, the turnovers, uh, the poor shot selection, uh, and the poor shots in general. Uh, it doesn't that doesn't change anything. But if you if you do a few more things right in that first half, you know maybe the second half doesn't come into play, and Purdue's walking out of there two and one uh, instead of one and two. As we mentioned, uh, the Boilermakers are back in action on uh, Saturday against Chicago State at Mackey Arena, 2 p.m. Tip-off. Uh, I'll be back with uh, another uh, podcast for you after that one, and then they're off a week before hosting uh, Jacksonville State. Purdue did uh, announce its signing class today, uh, three-player three class with uh, Jaden Ivey, um, Ethan Morton, and uh, Zach uh, Eady, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, you know, I think Ivey and Morton are two guys are going to play next year. Uh, I think they'll have a role, uh, especially when you lose Proctor uh, so Ivy can play any of those perimeter positions, and you know Morton is a is a point guard. He's a big kid, six six. Uh, from all indications, uh, can really see the floor well. Uh, passing is his strength. Uh, you know, I think offensively he's going to be really good uh, for Purdue. Now, where does he fit defensively? Can he guard another team's point guard on a consistent basis? So, you know, there's there's some there's some questions there that, you know, that, that will need to get answered, uh, from, from all these guys. Uh, you know, Edie's like a seven, three guy from Canada. Uh, he goes to IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, he, I'm not going to call him a project, but he's probably a guy that needs, a, a lot more development than the other two, uh, at this stage. So, you know, they'll get here in the summer. Uh, and then, you know, kind of start their business. And they'll become part of the, uh, well, I guess, you know, Mason Gillis and Brandon Newman kind of become part of their class uh, in a way. So, you know, the freshman class next year, you're probably, you know, you brought in three, you know, eating my red shirt when it's all said and done. So that's going to be a four-player class, you know, with Gillis and Newman and Ivy and, and Morton that, you know, you're looking at four starters uh, down the road, uh, when they when they get maybe to you know a, a few more years in the program, uh, so you know, I you know I think you know I think Painter's recruited well once again, uh, and you know I, he's kind of restocking some some things right now. You know I, this is looking you know, three games. This was going to be a little bit of a transition year. I don't think anybody uh, could deny that, but also thought you know, also I think that Purdue still has a a lot of upside to it that can, you know, make some noise once you get a little bit deeper in the season and, you know, they figure some things out and you play these tough schedules, you play these tough teams for a reason and it will see down the road how much it does benefit this team and it should. Uh, But anyway, that kind of wraps up uh, what happened in the game from my perspective uh, from tonight. I appreciate you listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends and neighbors and enemies uh, where to find it. uh, And, uh, you know, give it a listen. And we do appreciate you listening. And uh, you have a good day. And we'll, we'll be back after the Chicago State game.